0: Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father, and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. We are continuing our walk through the Gospel of Luke. And Jesus is sitting in the temple courtyard. It's a large, large complex, uh, about the size of a couple of football fields. And while he's there preaching and teaching, he takes a break and he's he's noticing people give their offerings as they're coming for Passover most likely a large line, people lined up to to give an offering. He notices a widow, a person very much disenfranchised in that society and day and age, and she gives generously. Uh, Martin Luther is famous for saying that when a man becomes a Christian, there are three different conversions that take place. There's conversion of the heart, conversion of the mind, and conversion of the wallet. So, we talk about the way God works in our hearts, in our minds, in our lives. Some of you here have uh, followed Jesus all of your lives. You don't remember a time when you were not following Jesus. And for a lot of you, often in the high school years, you hit this crisis of faith. You're struggling with your identity, wondering who you are, and when you ask the question, who am I, you have to also ask the question, who is God? Is there a God? Do I believe in this God? There's a crisis there. Why do you believe what you believe? For some of you that propelled you to study and research and asking questions of people you knew and respected and trusted, Philip Yancey is a Christian author and he reflected on one of those times in his lives and and he wrote this. He said, I left the Christian church because I saw so little grace. I came back because it's the only place I found grace. Jesus, to paraphrase Monty Python, is something completely different. He's about grace. And there are many other religions, philosophies and ideas and ways of living but there's only one who's all about grace it's Jesus C.S. Lewis he put it this way he said this I believe in Christianity as I believe that the sun has risen not only because I see it but because by it I see everything else C.S. Lewis had that crisis of faith and God converted his mind first. And through the lens of Jesus everything else in this world made sense to Lewis. That Jesus Christ God in the flesh, Emmanuel comes and he dies upon a cross and he pays the penalty for your sin and for my sin that lens the world makes sense because without a God who suffers the pain and heartache and suffering of this world is simply a cruel joke without a God of grace true hope is fleeting and our purpose is uncertain see without a God of grace you're always on trial without a God of grace you always have to wonder am I good enough am I measuring up Have I reached the standard, what is required of me? Because we all know that a standard exists. That's true of every culture and every day and age that has ever existed. And without grace, life is one grand beauty pageant or World Cup. And the next loss can knock, knock you out of the round. Through the lens of Jesus, everything makes sense. Some of you have experienced that conversion of the mind. For others of you, God worked on your heart first. God converted your heart. Some of you are more feelers than you are thinkers. Some of you want to change the hymn. You know, we sing, I know that my Redeemer lives, right? Some of you would rather sing, I feel that my Redeemer lives, right? Some of you don't like to say, I I know that, or I believe that. You'd rather say, I feel that we should do X, Y, Z. Sometimes, for many of you, an experience has propelled you to the arms of Jesus. For some of you, the arguments in favor of Christianity, the reasons, and the rationale behind it are all very nice, but you feel that God loves you that God is on your side you enjoy reading or hearing about other people's experiences (laughs) some of you really liked the book or the movie Heaven is for Real I mean you didn't like it you really liked it and that experience held you into the arms of Christ some of you have had those experiences I've talked to, to many of you shared an experience about a miracle that took place in your life. Or you've gone through a hard, challenging, difficult time and you saw how God saw you through and that His grace was sufficient for you. You saw that God's power was made perfect in your weakness. For some of you, when I conclude a sermon with Paul's words, may the peace of Christ Passes all understanding. Guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus, our Lord. You know, rather, you feel exactly what I'm talking about. You've had those experiences. God has converted your heart. Sometimes God converts our heart first, and then our mind, or sometimes He does minds first, then the heart, and sometimes He's just working along with us on that journey. Usually depends whether we're thinkers first or feelers first, or your what is that EMFT? All those uh, those personality profiles. Sometimes you're an EMFT or an IFJT. And sometimes I'm just a JERK. But but God works in our lives regardless of how He's designed us and created us. But never has anyone had their wallet converted first. Wouldn't that be something? someone gives a generous gift, and you ask, well, why did you do that? And they're like, I I don't know why I did that. I don't know. I just just did it. That'd be something. Why does that always last? Here's my theory. It's just a theory. When we give generously back to God, we are indicating trust even when other options are available. See, many times when God converts our mind one of the reasons we're we're converted is because we simply see no other reasonable option. All the options have been considered and they are off the table. Jesus Christ makes sense. He he matches the the dozens of prophecies leading up to his birth. The eyewitness testimony of the Bible is well established and reliable and well attested. Jesus says Jesus doesn't just make sense. He makes everything else makes sense as well. The other options just don't add up. When Jesus converts your heart it's because you feel that Jesus is true. You've seen God's miracles in action. I've held my firstborn daughter and marveled at God's creation and his artist artistry. I've sat under the law of God and been crushed by His law and renewed by His grace and His forgiveness. experienced that and I had no other options. God converted my heart and only God can interpret my heart completely and fully. The conversion of the wallet is last because, well, there's oftentimes no crisis. No crisis of intellectual doubt. There's no challenging experience to drive you to Jesus. Giving is simply a recognition that God is generous. God is generous. And everything we have in this life food, shelter, clothing, forgiveness, eternity, is a gift from a generous God. We can trust Him. After all, trust is the best response to grace. A little girl taught me that this week. Show her her picture here. It's my Actually, I'm not sure who she is. Her name's Catherine, and she's my cousin's daughter. So I'm not sure if she's my second cousin or my cousin once removed. I don't know how that works, but that's who she is. She's my cousin's daughter. And uh, we just got back from our vacation and uh, I saw Catherine for the second time. So uh, all my cousins, we get together every other year. And we do a trip together. And so the last time I saw Catherine, she was one year old. And Catherine uh, was a pretty shy one year old. You know the ones that are whining quite a bit? And no one else can comfort them except mom or dad. And, and if you try to help out, you, you make things worse, you know? You know, you know some babies are just like that, you know, and, and you're like, oh hell and she start, you're like, don't look at her, you'll make her cry, don't look at the baby, don't make her. Well, this time Catherine is now three. And uh, she's doing much better. She's still shy, uh, but once she warms up to you, uh, she's quite fun to be with. And we were on going on a hike. We'd just been there for one day. And we had hiked uh, two miles up uh, to see this waterfall. And Catherine walked the entire way. Pretty good for a three-year-old. Not too shabby. But she was done. She was not walking back down the trail. Not at all. And so her dad picked her up and, and carried her back down the trail. And it was hot, a little muggy and humid. Well, humid for us, you know. And so I asked her dad, I said, would you like me to carry Catherine? He goes, oh, sure. So he gives me Catherine. And she looks at me. She smiles just like that. And she put her head down on my shoulder. And her long brown hair sticking to my sweaty face. And we walked down the trail and Catherine fell asleep. As I'm walking down the trail, I'm realizing this is the image of trust. This is what trust looks like. Because it was a steep downhill trail. It's so steep, you know when you get done, your toes are sore because you've been jamming them into the tops of your tennis shoes, right? It was that steep. And it was rocky. My, my ankles were turning every now and then. I would lose my balance just ever so quickly, and I would regain it again. She never woke up. There were a couple spots where I slid just a little bit. She never woke up. She simply trusted. And here I was, giving her this gift of grace. I was carrying her down a mountain. And her life, very literally, was in my hands. She trusted. That's what trust looks like. God is is generous. And he gives you all things. You are his. God has redeemed you. He's bought you back by his very own blood. As Paul writes, you were bought at a price. You were not your own. God generously provides every day: life, health, food, friends, and community, employment, a pickup truck. Some of you really need your pickup trucks. You work in them. God provides. Provides forgiveness and a hope, and a purpose, and a future so that our lives are no longer meaningless and empty and just a rat race one day to the next, just trying to get by, but rather living purposefully in his grace and in his joy and in his love. God is generous. He invites us to trust. So often in our lives, we don't trust like a sleeping child, but rather we trust like a parent giving the keys to a a teenage driver, right? And we give the keys to the teenage driver, and what do we do? We step on our own invisible brake the entire time, right? We're like, I love you, but I don't trust you. (laughs) And I'm going to step on the brake of my life time and time again. God says, it's okay. You can trust. You can trust. God invites you our whole heart your whole mind and even our resources because he's good and he loves you and you can trust him amen may the peace of God which passes all understanding guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus our Lord for life everlasting